The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1, by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 8. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1, by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 8. Second Book, Part 2. The New Paris, Part 2. In a short time my light garment was wet through. It was already rent, and I did not hesitate to tear it entirely off my body. I cast away my slippers, and one covering after another. Nay, at last I found it very agreeable to let such a shower-bath play over me in the warm day. Now being quite naked, I walked gravely along between these welcome waters, where I thought to enjoy myself for some time. My anger cooled, and I wished for nothing more than a reconciliation with my little adversary. But in a twinkling the water stopped, and I stood drenched upon the saturated ground. The presence of the old man who appeared before me unexpectedly was by no means welcome. I could have wished, if not to hide, at least to clothe myself. The shame, the shivering, the effort to cover myself in some degree made me cut a most piteous figure. The old man employed the moment inventing the severest reproaches against me. What hinders me? he exclaimed, from taking one of the green cords and fitting it, if not to your neck, to your back. This threat I took in very ill part. Refrain, I cried, from such words, even from such thoughts, for otherwise you and your mistresses will be lost. Who then are you, he asked in defiance, who dare speak thus? A favourite of the gods, I said, on whom it depends whether those ladies shall find worthy husbands and pass a happy life, or be left to pine and wither in their magic cell. The old man stepped some paces back. Who has revealed that to you? he inquired, with astonishment and concern. Three apples, I said, three jewels. And what reward do you require? he exclaimed. Before all things, the little creature, I replied, who has brought me into this accursed state. The old man cast himself down before me without shrinking from the wet and miry soil. Then he rose without being wetted, took me kindly by the hand, led me into the hall, clad me again quickly, and I was soon once more decked out and frizzled in my Sunday fashion as before. The porter did not speak another word, but before he let me pass the entrance, he stopped me and showed me some objects on the wall over the way, while at the same time he pointed backwards to the door. I understood him. He wished to imprint the objects on my mind that I might more certainly find the door, which had unexpectedly closed behind me. 
i now took good notice of what was opposite me above a high wall rose the boughs of extremely old nut-trees and partly covered the cornice at the top the branches reached down to a stone tablet the ornamented border of which i could perfectly recognize though i could not read the inscription it rested on the top stone of a niche in which a finely wrought fountain poured water from cup to cup into a great basin that formed as it were a little pond and disappeared in the earth fountain inscription nut trees all stood perpendicularly one above another i would paint it as i saw it now it may well be conceived how i passed this evening and many following days and how often i repeated to myself this story which even i could hardly believe as soon as it was in any degree possible i went again to the bad wall at least to refresh my remembrance of these signs and to look at the precious door but to my great amazement i found all changed nut trees indeed overtopped the wall but they did not stand immediately in contact a tablet also was inserted in the wall but far to the right of the trees without ornament and with a legible inscription a niche with a fountain was found far to the left but with no resemblance whatever to that which i had seen so that i almost believed that the second adventure was like the first a dream for of the door there is not the slightest trace the only thing that consoles me is the observation that these three objects seem always to change their places for in repeated visits to the spot i think i have noticed that the nut trees have moved somewhat nearer together and that the tablet and the fountain seem likewise to approach each other probably when all is brought together again the door too will once more be visible and i will do my best to take up the thread of the adventure whether i shall be able to tell you what further happens or whether i shall be expressly forbidden to do so i cannot say this tale of the truth of which my playfellows vehemently strove to convince themselves received great applause each of them visited alone the place described without confiding it to me or the others and discovered the nut trees the tablet and the spring though always at a distance from each other as they at last confessed to me afterwards because it is not easy to conceal a secret at that early age but here the contest first arose one asserted that the objects did not stir from the spot and always maintained the same distance a second averred that they did move and that too away from each other a third agreed with the latter as to the first point of their moving though it seemed to him that the nut trees tablet and fountain rather drew near together while a fourth had something still more wonderful to announce which was that the nut trees were in the middle but that the tablet and the fountain were on sides opposite to those which i had stated with respect to the traces of the little door they also varied 
and thus they furnished me an early instance of the contradictory views men can hold and maintain in regard to matters quite simple and easily cleared up as i obstinately refused the continuation of my tale a repetition of the first part was often desired i took good care not to change the circumstances much and by the uniformity of the narrative i converted the fable into truth in the minds of my hearers yet i was averse to falsehood and dissimulation and altogether by no means frivolous rather on the contrary the inward earnestness with which i had early begun to consider myself and the world was seen even in my exterior and i was frequently called to account often in a friendly way and often in raillery for a certain dignity which i had assumed for although good and chosen friends were certainly not wanting to me we were always a minority against those who found pleasure in assailing us with wanton rudeness and who indeed often awoke us in no gentle fashion from that legendary and self-complacent dreaming in which we i by inventing and my companions by sympathising were too readily absorbed thus we learned once more that instead of sinking into effeminacy and fantastic delights there was reason rather for hardening ourselves in order either to bear or to counteract inevitable evils among the stoical exercises which i cultivated as earnestly as it was possible for a lad was even the endurance of bodily pain our teachers often treated us very unkindly and unskilfully with blows and cuffs against which we hardened ourselves all the more as obstinacy was forbidden under the severest penalties a great many of the sports of youth depend on a rivalry in such endurances as for instance when they strike each other alternately with two fingers of the whole fist till the limbs are numbed or when they bear the penalty of blows incurred in certain games with more or less firmness when in wrestling or scuffling they do not let themselves be perplexed by the pinches of a half-conquered opponent or finally when they suppress the pain inflicted for the sake of teasing and even treat with indifference the nips and ticklings with which young persons are so active toward each other thus we gain a great advantage of which others cannot speedily deprive us but as i made a sort of boast of this impassiveness the importunity of the others was increased and since rude barbarity knows no limits it managed to force me beyond my bounds let one case suffice for several it happened once that the teacher did not come for the usual hour of instruction as long as we children were all together we entertained ourselves quite agreeably but when my adherents after waiting long enough had left and i remained alone with three of my enemies these took it into their heads to torment me to shame me and to drive me away having left me an instant in the room they came back with switches which they had made by quickly cutting up a broom i noted 
their design and as i supposed the end of the hour near i at once resolved not to resist them till the clock struck they began therefore without remorse to lash my legs and calves in the cruelest fashion i did not stir but soon felt that i had miscalculated and that such pain greatly lengthened the minutes my wrath grew with my endurance and at the first stroke of the hour i grasped the one who least expected it by the hair behind hurled him to the earth in an instant pressing my knee upon his back the second a younger and weaker one who attacked me from behind i drew by the head under my arm and almost throttled him with the pressure the last and not the weakest still remained and my left hand only was left for my defence but i seized him by the clothes and with a dexterous twist on my part and an over-precipitate one on his i brought him down and struck his face on the ground they were not wanting in bites pinches and kicks but i had nothing but revenge in my limbs as well as in my heart with the advantage which i had acquired i repeatedly knocked their heads together at last they raised the dreadful shout of murder and we were soon surrounded by all the inmates of the house the switches scattered around and my legs which i had bared of the stockings soon bore witness for me they put off the punishment and let me leave the house but i declared that in future on the slightest offence i would scratch out the eyes tear off the ears of any one of them if not throttle him though as usually happens in childish affairs this event was soon forgotten and even laughed at it was the cause that these joint instructions became fewer and at last entirely ceased i was thus again as formerly kept more at home where i found my sister cornelia who was only one year younger than myself a companion always growing more agreeable still i will not leave this topic without telling some more stories of the many vexations caused me by my playfellows for this is the instructive part of such moral communications that a man may learn how it has gone with others and what he also has to expect from life and that whatever comes to pass he may consider that it happens to him as a man and not as one specially fortunate or unfortunate if such knowledge is of little use for avoiding evils it is very serviceable so far as it qualifies us to understand our condition and bear or even to overcome it another general remark will not be out of place here which is that as the children of the cultivated classes grow up a great contradiction appears i refer to the fact that they are urged and trained by parents and teachers to deport themselves moderately intelligently and even wisely to give pain to no one from petulance or arrogance and to suppress all the evil impulses which may be developed in them but yet on the other hand while the young creatures are engaged in this discipline they have to suffer from others that which in them is reprimanded and punished in this way the poor things are brought into a sad 
strait between natural and civilized states and after restraining themselves for a while break out according to their characters into cunning or violence force may be warded off by force but a well-disposed child inclined to love and sympathy has little to oppose to scorn and ill-will though i managed pretty well to keep off the assaults of my companions i was by no means equal to them in sarcasm and abuse because he who merely defends himself in such cases is always a loser attacks of this sort consequently when they went so far as to excite anger were repelled with physical force or at least excited strange reflections in me which could not be without results among other advantages which my ill wishes saw with envy was the pleasure i took in the relations that accrued to my family from my grandfather's position of schultheiss since as he was the first of his class this had no small effect on those belonging to him once when after the holding of the piper's court i appeared to pride myself on having seen my grandfather in the midst of the council one step higher than the rest enthroned as it were under the portrait of the emperor one of the boys said to me in derision that like the peacock contemplating his feet i should cast my eyes back to my paternal grandfather who had been keeper of the willow inn and would never have aspired to thrones and coronets i replied that i was in no wise ashamed of that as it was the glory and honour of our native city that all its citizens might consider each other equal and every one derive profit and honour from his exertions in his own way i was sorry only that the good man had been so long dead for i had often yearned to know him in person had many times gazed upon his likeness nay had visited his tomb and had at least derived pleasure from the inscription on the simple monument of that past existence to which i was indebted for my own another ill-wisher who was the most malicious of all took the first aside and whispered something in his ear while they still looked at me scornfully my gall already began to rise and i challenged them to speak out what is more then if you will have it continued the first this one thinks you might go looking about a long time before you could find your grandfather i now threatened them more vehemently if they did not more clearly explain themselves thereupon they brought forward an old story which they pretended to have overheard from their parents that my father was the son of some eminent man while that good citizen had shown himself willing to take outwardly the paternal office they had the impudence to produce all sorts of arguments as for example that our property came exclusively from our grandmother that the other collateral relations who lived in friedburg and other places were alike destitute of property and other reasons of the sort which could merely derive their weight from malice i listened to them more composedly than they expected for they stood ready to fly the very moment that i should make a gesture as if i would seize their hair 
but i replied quite calmly and in substance that even this was no great injury to me life was such a boon that one might be quite indifferent as to whom one had to thank for it since at least it must be derived from god before whom we all were equals as they could make nothing of it they let the matter drop for this time we went on playing together as before which among children is an approved mode of reconciliation End of section 8